What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the College of Life podcast. As always, you know what I'm going to say? It is good to be here. No, it is actually, it is always good to be here on this podcast with you guys. Today, okay, if you've clicked on this episode, you are a real trooper. I mean, absolutely, because I know, I know how boring this title looks, and I know how boring this episode might be, okay? But I felt very, very strongly that what I'm talking about right now could absolutely be of value to somebody. Because if there's one thing that you're not taught in school at all that I think you can absolutely benefit from knowing about, it has to be your credit score. And you know how I like to do these episodes. I just like to get going, jump in, and start moving. So essentially, the first thing that I want to talk about, the first question that I have on my amazing list of bullet points is, what is a credit score? And honestly, if if you don't know the answer to that question, you're probably in some muddy, muddy waters that I don't know if I can pull you out of. But essentially, your credit score is what lenders, people that loan you money, it's what they look at to determine what your track record is for borrowing money. And I I feel pretty certain in saying that at some point, all of us are going to have to borrow money, whether it's to buy a new car, buy a new house, or pay for your favorite podcast host to take a three-week long vacation to Italy, whatever it is you think that you need money for. At some point, we're going to have to borrow more than we actually have. And when we go and ask people for money, people that have a lot of money, the first thing that they look at is our credit score. So really, it's kind of just your history with dealing with other people's money. And it's ranked on a scale from basically like 300 to 850. The higher you are on that scale, the better off you are. I've got a little rate chart here that is more or less what the going standard seems to be. Basically, anywhere from a 300 to 560 is very bad. I may or may not know somebody that would fall in that category, but we won't talk about that. Anywhere from a 560 to a 650 is seen as just flat bad. And then as you kind of go and get higher, where you want to shoot for is 650 to 700. That's definitely fair, more average. Anywhere from a 700 to a 750 is pretty good. And then 750 above, 750 to 850 really is seen as excellent. With most people that I'm, that I'm gathering information from rating perfect right around 800. Now, I'm going to say this not in any way to brag, but just so you kind of know that I, I may possibly have an idea of what I'm talking about. My credit score right now actually just checked right before, right before doing this podcast. I'm currently sitting at a 756. That is awesome. I'm very happy with that. It's the highest that it's ever been, and it's finally started to take off again and bounce back from when I got that car loan back in January. So if you're still listening at this point and you haven't clicked off because I've done nothing but throw random crazy numbers at you, you've definitely got a bit of a better idea of what the rate table kind of looks like for credit scores. Again, your goal, where you really want to shoot, is in that 700 plus range. And heck, even a 650 to 700 really isn't that bad. All that being said, what actually decides what your credit score is? Now, your credit score is made up from a variety of things. But, luckily for us, the people that hold the almighty power of getting to to decide what our credit score is have been nice enough to tell us how exactly they grade it. So just like in school, how you know some of your exams were worth like 20% of your overall grade, homework was like 10%, right? We've all been through that. That is basically exactly how your credit score works too. In fact, we can look precisely at what the percentages are. The biggest and most important factor in your overall credit score is your on-time payment history. 
that makes up 35% of your overall score. Just under that is your revolving utilization at 30%. And I'm going to deep dive into these here in just a second, but I kind of just want to list them all out first. After your revolving utilization comes your average age of accounts, and that sits at 15% of your overall score. And then kind of just thrown in there to kind of shore things up, 10% is made up by your types of credit and another 10% by your hard inquiries. So now kind of just to jump into each of them and define exactly what they are, that first and biggest one, the 35%, your on-time payment history. That one's pretty self-explanatory, right? On-time payment history. What is the history of your on-time payments? How many payments have you made on time? And this isn't something that you can get like 90%, 85% of your payments on time. No, I mean, you cannot mess up on this. One late payment will stay on your credit history for seven years and will drastically decrease your score. It is something that keeps me awake at night, the thought of missing a payment because I just forgot. But really, as long as you're smart with the kind of loans that you take out and the kind of debt that you go into, it, it really is just a tool more than anything. And if you can make sure that you're always finding a way to make payments on time, that is an amazing way to boost your credit score. The next one under that was 30% of your score made up by revolving utilization. And I know I'm going to have to define that one because for months I didn't even know what revolving utilization was until finally I, I Googled it and figured it out. But revolving utilization is how much of your available credit are you currently using. So this really wouldn't work for something like a home loan or a car loan, but it is definitely decided in your credit cards. Let's take, for example, you've got a $4,000 limit on one credit card, and that's the only credit card that you've got. The credit line available to you as a person is just $4,000. If you were to go off and make $1,000 in purchases, you now have $1,000 owed on that card. That means that your revolving utilization is going to be $1,000 out of $4,000, basically 25%, just a quarter, right? You want to be able to show that your revolving utilization is as low as possible. I mean, something that is going to scare off any lender is if you've got $10,000 in credit limit and you've got $10,000 of credit spent. To them, that's just going to look like you have no money and you're in desperate need of more money that you don't plan on paying back. So the lower you can keep your revolving utilization percentage, that's a mouthful, the lower that you can keep that, the better it's going to reflect on your credit score. And there are a bunch of ways to really use that to your advantage that I'm going to jump into here in just a little bit. First, however, I need to touch on your average age of accounts. That's what makes up 15% of your overall credit score, right? Now, it's important that you note that that's average age of accounts. If you've had one credit card for 10 years, that's awesome. You've got a 10-year average overall if that's your only credit card. However, if you go out today and open up a second one, that one's only been open for one day, and now your overall average is only five years. So it's kind of important to keep that in mind as we dive deeper into this. And then 10% of your score is accounted for in your types of credit and your hard inquiries. Types of credit are just the different kinds of credit that you have out there, right? Lenders want to see that you are responsible for multiple things like credit cards, home loans, auto loans, right? The same ones that I keep referring to over and over. And then your hard inquiries was that other 10%. Every single time that you go out and ask for another loan, it's going to reflect on your hard inquiries. Reason for that is they just don't want you to go out and get a whole bunch at once, right? That kind of looks just a little sketchy to them. But the good thing about this is they don't stick around for too long. As soon as you submit an application trying to get more credit, your hard inquiries will go up by one, and then typically within six months, a year, right around, that goes away. 
it's not really the worst thing to have, nor something that you should worry about. It is just something that they do to make sure that you're not trying to get 20 credit cards all at once. All right, wow. Yeah, so, okay, we've covered what is a credit score. We've broken down the rate table for what a good credit score is, and then we've kind of defined what decides your credit score. But, hopefully, if you threw on this episode, it's because you had hopes to build your own credit score. And when I talk in this department, I am going to say I'm mainly geared to, write like, people my age, 22 is how old I am, people that are, like, 16, 18 teenagers. Really, when I talk about how you can build your credit score, it's geared around somebody that doesn't have much credit history whatsoever. And if you are somebody that doesn't really have credit history built up, the best thing that I think you can do right now to start building your credit score to, you know, a perfect 850 is go out and open a credit card. Now, I want to be clear, as bad as it sounds, this is definitely something that you can use to your advantage. However, you need to make sure that you can trust yourself. Because no matter how good this tool is for building your credit score, you still have to make sure you're responsible enough to pay these people back. It's not every day you just get handed three, four, five, maybe even $10,000 and just get told, go crazy. So you definitely have to have some sort of responsibility and trust in yourself that you're not just going to ruin it all. However, Opening a credit card and starting your first line of credit is crucial to getting a credit score established. I opened my first credit card when I was 19. I'm 22 now, so right around three years, give or take. And I've managed to get it up to a 754 already. So it is absolutely doable to get your credit score in a really good position without taking 10 or 20 years. If you do decide that the best approach for you is going out and opening your first credit card, Definitely, you want to make sure that you find one that has $0 in annual fees. You don't want to be paying just to have a credit card. And it's even better if you can find one that has good rewards to make sure that you're getting the best bang for your buck. The first one that I ever opened was the Discover It Student Cashback Card. And this was absolutely a perfect pick. They don't need a credit history for you to open it. So if you don't have anything in place, it's absolutely a good card that can be your first card. It gives you a free reward as soon as you start your first purchase. It also does good grade rewards, and it allows you to track your FICO credit score every single month. Now, if you do decide that that is the one that you want, shoot me a text or a DM on Instagram. You know, let me know, and I'll get you a referral code so we can both make 50 bucks. Why not? But if this isn't really you, and you do already have a credit card, you've already established some line of credit, there's no reason you can't go out and get another. This is when that revolving utilization comes into play. If you've already got a credit card with a $4,000 limit, freaking awesome. You are on the way to that perfect 850 credit score. However, there's no reason you can't open another one. Since I opened my first one three years ago, I've opened two more. I have three total credit cards now. And each one has helped my revolving utilization get better. Reason for that is, you know, when you've got the $4,000 limit and you've spent 2000 of it already, that's 50% revolving utilization. That's pretty high. You don't want it to be that high. So, if you go out and open another one for $4,000, that gives you an $8,000 credit limit overall between the two combined, and you've still only got the $2,000 spent, instantly brings your revolving utilization from a 50% to a 25%. So, as backward logic as it sounds, and as little sense as it makes, if you need a better credit score than you already have, sometimes the best thing to do is to get more credit. Just again, make sure it's one that has $0 in annual fees, and rewards that definitely match what your lifestyle is. And the most important thing you can do then is make sure you are always making payments on time. Again, missing even one payment can just wreck your credit score for the next seven years, 
And something that's really important to note in this department is they make it really easy on you. If you've got a credit card that you've you know spent $2,000 on and you don't have $2,000 to pay the whole thing off right now, when we talk about making payments on time, you don't have to pay the whole $2,000 right away, even though I think you should to avoid getting interest. If it's worst case scenario doomsday for you, most of the time they don't require more than $30, $40, If you can just make that payment, they'll consider your entire payment made on time. Those are just a few things that I think that you can do to either start your credit score or boost your credit score if you've got a little bit of history already. Seriously, I mean, just doing something as simple as getting a credit line established is going to be super, super helpful, and your future you will thank yourself. The last thing you want to do when it comes time to buy a home is have to look at the lender and say, I actually don't have any credit history whatsoever, because no credit history is probably worse than bad credit history. All in all, though, I know this episode has taken forever. I hope I didn't bore you to death. Again, I I told you it was going to be a bit of a boring episode, but there's definitely some value in here. If you need to, go back, listen to it again. I was speaking a little fast. I always do. That's, That's how it works on the College of Life podcast. If you've got a buddy that has an absolutely terrible score, share this episode with him. He honestly probably won't listen to the whole thing, so you should also link him a couple Dave Ramsey YouTube videos. Nonetheless, though, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. As always, I want to say I'm going to go on vacation for the next couple weeks. That's right. I'm going on a cruise to Alaska, and I'm very excited. I'm very excited. I remember today that cruises have all-you-can-eat food, basically, and that just brightened my whole day up. So I will absolutely come back plus one in the whale sighting department and like plus 10 in the weight department. But I'm going to go ahead and pre-record some episodes. So you're going to see episodes coming out every single Tuesday like regular. They probably won't show up as late in the day as these ones have been. Either way, they're going to be on Tuesday though. And I will be excited to get back to it in about two, three weeks. And I'm going to talk all about my vacation. As always though, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Tell your loved ones you love them and do something nice for somebody. And until I see you next time, peace.